getting God's Word this morning with you. Um, I, I just want to take a moment from our family to your family and just tell you thank you. These last several months, y'all have just so opened up your lives and your homes to our family, and, and what a joy it is to come alongside of you and be your pastor, and I want you to know it's an honor to be your pastor each and every day, and it's been a blessing just to see and see as God continues to open up our love for you in such a deep way. We've only known each other for a short time, but so many of you, I feel like I've known you for such a long time. So First Baptist, I just want you to know it's an honor to be your pastor, and it's a joy, and what a joy it's been just having the freedom each week just to stand before you and preach God's Word. I mean, what a great week on Monday night. Monday night, I was at the cross at our, or out in our new church property on the first Monday night of each month. Our men gather on our West Campus, our new campus, and we just spend some time praying. We eat dinner, we pray together. What a special time it was, Monday night, gathering with the men and praying over our new church property and all that's going to, God's going to do. It was wonderful seeing so many godly men just open up about their life and talk about what God's doing in their life. Then uh, Tuesday morning, men's prayer breakfast. I had the honor to teach men's prayer breakfast this week. And uh, let me tell you what I taught the men. Here's what I taught the men. I want you to pray that you'll be fat. That was the topic. I said, I don't want us to be fat physically. We want to be fat spiritually. We want to be faithful, accountable, and teachable. And we're praying that the men of First Baptist, that we'll be faithful to God, that we'll be accountable, and that we'll keep a teachable heart. And what a blessing. We had 55 men Tuesday morning at 6.30 having breakfast. And what a, I mean, what a great time we had uh, on Tuesday morning. Then last night, I had a, an experience I've never had before. I went to the race last night. So I'd never, I'd never been uh, to the speedway and went to the race last night. So I had a, a, a great time at the race last night. And you know, how many of y'all watched it? The very last wreck happened right in front of me last night. Uh, so what, what an incredible experience. And it reminded me, in Daytona, God is bringing the world to us. Not only do we have to go to the world, but God brings the world to us. And what a blessing that is. And that's why it's so important. In these next four weeks, we're going to deal with the subject of the Holy Spirit. In the month of May, we spent the month about prayer. June was all about the Word. This month is all about the Holy Spirit. And as a matter of fact, let me tell you, the devil doesn't want us to talk about the Holy Spirit. The devil wants you to live in fear and not the power of God. The devil wants you to live in doubt and not in the security of the presence of God that lives in your life. The devil wants you to live in confusion and being double-minded. God wants you to live in clarity, in peace, and joy. How do we do that? We do that because we have the person 
of the Holy Spirit of God living inside of us. For many years now, in so many churches across America, we haven't really talked about the Holy Spirit of God that lives inside of us. We've kind of shied away from it. We've allowed other people with some really bad doctrine about the Holy Spirit of God. And because we've watched so much bad doctrine and watched bad doctrine in the Holy Spirit of God, we've just kind of stepped back from it. When I was in college, I was working for the North American Mission Board. And as I was working for the North American Mission Board, I was in the state of New York, and for 10 weeks, we would go to a different church each week, and we'd go and minister and do revival. Well, we were doing a, a revival in the heart of New York City. And as we're going to do that revival uh, that started on Sunday morning, the pastor said, hey, there is a, an evangelist, a revival going on in town. It's Saturday night. Let's go. I said, sure. I would love to go with you, pastor. Whatever you want me to do, I'm here to serve you. So we went to this uh, revival on Saturday night, middle of New York City, and I realized quickly it was going to be interesting. All the TBN cameras were there, and they put me on the very first row. So here's this boy from East Tennessee. You know, most of those people didn't even think we were, wore shoes, you know, come from East Tennessee, especially, you know, with my nice country accent, you know. But I was sitting on the very front seat, as, and we got into the service. All of a sudden, I realized it was, it was different than I was used to as everybody started speaking in tongues around me. Then they went to them, and they started slaying people in the Spirit, and people are falling out. I mean, all these cameras, they start laying hands on people, and people getting healed, and all this stuff is going on. And all these people jumping up and down, screaming, hollering, speaking in tongues, and here is your pastor sitting on the front row, right in the middle of this, going, what is going on? <laughs> We've allowed moments like that to kind of push us away with dealing with the subject of the Holy Spirit. If you and I are going to live our life in the full power of Almighty God, we've got to understand the Holy Spirit. We've got to understand all about Jesus and what Jesus has done, but the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of us to represent Jesus. The Holy Spirit of God lives inside of us to empower us. The Holy Spirit of God lives inside of us to guide us. The Holy Spirit of God lives inside of us to convict us. The Holy Spirit of God lives inside of us to energize us, to empower us. The Holy Spirit of God seals us. When you got saved, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. I don't know about you, but I'm glad I'm sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. I'm glad. That he has sealed me for the day of redemption that I'm going to see my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit. John chapter 14, we're going to begin in verse 15. So if you've got your Bibles, John chapter 14, we're going to begin in verse 15. Here is a statement. Here is... The thought I really want you to get. 
God is constantly with his children in his presence through the Holy Spirit. God's presence is with us constantly because the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you. We firmly believe, as Scripture teaches, that when you got saved, that the Holy Spirit of God came to live inside of you. So here's the key takeaway I want you to get today, and it'll come up on the screen. God is constantly with His children through the presence of the Holy Spirit. So let me ask you this. Number one, are you a child of God, yes or no? Okay? Number two, does the Holy Spirit of God live inside of you? Yes. Let's read about it in John chapter 14, but you got to understand the context. Let me ask you the context of this. As Jesus is about to give us these words in John 14, is this before Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper or after? Does anybody know this scripture in John 14 we're about to read? Is it before the Lord's Supper it was instituted or after? Anybody know? It's after. Does anybody know how close are we? How close are we to Jesus going to the cross in this text of this scripture? Very close. We are hours away from Jesus Christ going to the cross. Here at the disciples, they have spent three years in the presence of Jesus. For the past three years, they watched Jesus perform miracles. They watched Jesus preach the Sermon on the Mount. For three years, they have watched Jesus' life. And now Jesus is saying, hey, I'm going to go away from you. Could you imagine if you've been around Jesus for three years and all of a sudden he starts saying, hey, I'm going to go away from you. Wouldn't that be a little fearful? That's why John chapter 14, how does verse 1 begin? Let not your heart be what? Ye believe in God, also believe in me. So let me ask you a question. Do you believe in God? Oh, listen at me. Let me ask you. Do you believe in God? So what does this scripture say? Let not your heart be what? Trouble. He's telling them as he's about to go away, he's about to face the cross. He said, hey, don't let your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, also believe in me. And then he's going to transition. Let's begin in verse number 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father. And he will give you another helper. Mark that word, another. Does anybody know how many different Greek words are there for the word another? Anybody want to take a guess how many different Greek words are there for the word another? Two. (laughs) Two Greek words for the word another. One of those words is 
a word that means same as, that it is the same as. That is the word that is used in this text of Scripture. So let's read it again. And and I will pray the Father, and He will give you another helper. He will give you the same as the other. He is saying, I'm going to give you a helper, and the Holy Spirit of God is going to be the same as the other, and the other is Jesus Christ. I've got some great news for you. When you're dealing with your boss this week, and your boss is being difficult, I've got some great news. You have the one in you that is the same as Jesus, and his name is the Holy Spirit. Aren't you grateful when your teenager is going to be rebellious this week and you need some wisdom and you need some advice? Aren't you grateful that you have Almighty God dwelling inside of you in the Holy Spirit of God? Aren't you grateful when your next-door neighbor, when that 14-year-old is dribbling the basketball at 11 o'clock and 12 o'clock at night and they're keeping you up all night? Aren't you grateful you got the Holy Spirit of God to control your temper? you grateful. He will give you another the same as a helper. Then look at the next words in this. That he, who is the he? The Holy Spirit. I want you to get this. Is the Holy Spirit and it? Have you ever heard somebody say and refer to the Holy Spirit as an it? The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is He. So when you refer to the Holy Spirit, don't ever refer to the Holy Spirit of God that the Holy Spirit is an it. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a he because it is the part of the Trinity of Almighty God. It is not an it. It is an he. Notice back in this text of Scripture, let's begin in verse 16. And I want you to mark every time it says he or him. That the Holy Spirit of God is a This is the he or the him. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. You. I've got some great news for you. You don't have an it who indwells you. You have a he, and that he is almighty God through the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Why live in fear when you got the Holy Spirit living inside of you? Why live in doubt? When you got the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you, why live in disappointment when you've got all of God's power living inside of you through the Holy Spirit of God? So I want you to write this down. Number one, write this down. I want you to get this. The Holy Spirit 
is a person. The Holy Spirit, if we're going to live in the Spirit, if we're going to walk in the Spirit, we're going to be led by the Spirit so the fruit of the Spirit can be in our life. We've got to know who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is a person. So let me ask you this question. Did God create the Holy Spirit? Think about it before you answer it. Did God create the Holy Spirit, yes or no? No. God did not create the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is God. So where do we see the Holy Spirit? Well, let's turn all the way to Genesis chapter 1. We're going to read verse number 2, and we're going to read verse number 26. We're going to see that the Holy Spirit of God is just not showing up here. We're going to see that the Holy Spirit of God is all the way in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, and Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. But the Holy Spirit is a person. Let's look at it. Genesis 1, verse 2. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Look over at verse 26. This is interesting, and I I want you to mark a couple of words in verse number 26. What does this text say? Then God said, let... Well, let's say it again. Let us. Who is thus? The Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let us. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creepeth thing that creeps on the earth. But look what it says, and let us, and our image, and our image. So I want you to hear this. The Holy Spirit is a person. It is not an it. The Holy Spirit was not created by God, because the Holy Spirit is God, and it has always been. Let me show it to you in another text of Scripture. Go with me to Romans chapter 8. Look what the Apostle Paul has to say about it. Romans chapter 8, and look at verse number 26. Romans chapter 8, verse number 26. Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit of God lives in you if you're a Christ follower. I I think we have so misdefined what the Holy Spirit is. think there's some that think the Holy Spirit is a force. 
May the force be with you. They think that there's this force of the Holy Spirit, and you'll be able to, I mean, with your mind, you'll be able to pick up rocks, and you can pick up aircraft out of the muck of the earth. The Holy Spirit is not a force. It's God. The Holy Spirit is not a ghost. In the King James translation, it uses the word ghost, holy ghost. But in our terminology today, in our culture, we have changed it, and they think, oh, it's a ghost that's just hopping around, and we need to call ghostbusters. It's not a ghost. The Holy Spirit's not like a, a magnet. You know, as kids, did y'all ever take two magnets and slide them all around the table? My, my grandfather was a scientist, and one of the things, my grandfather gave me a big old magnet as a kid. I mean, I would stick that magnet to absolutely anything and everything and boy, did I ever learn a hard lesson. Remember the day that when the TV that sat in your house, it was like a big piece of furniture? I mean, remember, I mean, hey, for all the young guys in here, the TVs 40 years ago cost just as much 40 years ago as it does today. I mean, when, when you bought a TV 40 years ago, you were buying the centerpiece furniture. I mean, you spent immensity amount of money. And it didn't even come with a remote. <laughs> In our house, we had a remote. My dad had a remote in our house. Hey, Eric, go change the channel. <laughs> you know, uh, we remember when we had three channels. You ever remember having to go outside and change the antenna around a little bit? How, I mean, you put some aluminum full on. How many have ever, you know, you just hold that thing just right so you can get it? Remember in those TVs, they had a, a TV tube in it? I mean, remember, I mean, there used to be a person who had a job that would come to your house and repair your TV. I mean, you'd open at the back, and there was all these tubes in it. But one day, I had the brilliant idea. What would it look like if I went and put this huge magnet my grandfather, the scientist, gave me, and I put it up to the TV? So I'd turn the TV on. I'd go up to that TV as a little boy. I'd take my magnet, suck it up right into the middle of that TV screen. And you know what I did? I started little bit by little bit pulling that magnet back. And then all of a sudden, one of the coolest things happened. The picture screen went from that and was getting sucked up into the magnet. I mean, it was sucking that picture off of the tube of that TV into my magnet. I, I thought it was just a coolest thing. I pulled it back a little bit more. I mean, this thing's just getting sucked in until I heard a boom. 
that was not a fun conversation with my dad that I blew up the <laughs> tube in the TV. A lot of people think, oh, the Holy Spirit's just, it's a ghost, it's a force, it's, it's a magnet. What is it? It's a person. God. Look at this in Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. First Baptist family, who helps us in our weaknesses? Let's say, who helps us in our weaknesses? The Holy Spirit. For we do not know what we should pray as we all, but the Spirit Himself makes intercessions for us with groanings which we cannot cannot be uttered. So I've got a couple of questions. Uh, Let me give you four questions. And guys, running on the screen, it's a couple of slides earlier. Uh, I want you to get these four questions answered. Question number one. How dependent are you upon the Holy Spirit? How dependent are you upon the Holy Spirit? When you're dealing with your rebellious teenager, are you dealing, are you trying to deal with it you or are you dependent upon the Holy Spirit? When you're out being a salesman that God's called you to be, are you dependent upon you? Are you dependent upon the Holy Spirit as you're selling? If you're a doctor, as you're doing surgery, praise God for the doctors in the house, are you dependent upon your abilities? Are you dependent upon the Holy Spirit? So I have a question. How dependent are you upon the Holy Spirit? My second question, how obedient are you to him? How obedient are you to the Holy Spirit of God? God that lives inside of you through the Holy Spirit of God. How obedient are you to God? Charlie, you might not remember this. One year ago this week, about begin our conversations together. God leaned on me. The Holy Spirit did. And say, Eric, I've got a call in your life, and this is what I want you to do. It was last July, almost exactly a year ago, that God rattled my cage and leaned on me and said, I've got something different for you. One year ago. What is the Lord leaning on you that you need to be obedient about? Listen to this statement. Delayed obedience to the Holy Spirit is disobedience. Delayed obedience 
is disobedience. That's why in our house and parents, listen to this, and James and Carrie can testify. They've heard me say this over and over again. In our house, we didn't play that silly game. Well, when I count to five, you better be here because I know me. If my mom says, when I count to five, you better be here. You know what Eric Charles this is going to probably do? I'm going to wait till 4.999999 before I move. How many of y'all are ever guilty of that? I'm going to call you. Have you ever heard that parent? I'm going to call you one, two, two and a half, two and three quarters. Don't play that game with your kids. Here's our rule. Zero. Used to be when they were little, and I hope this doesn't offend you. If I went one, that means you got one spanking. If I had to count two, that means you got two spankings. Because when we said zero, you better be moving. Here's our statement. Stits are fought first called children. Why do we say that? I want you to get this. I don't want to teach my children that when the Holy Spirit of God leans in on them, that we can count one, two, three, four, five, six. I want us to know when the Holy Spirit of God leans on us, we step out and we do it. So I'm going to ask you a question. How obedient are you to the person of the Holy Spirit? Question three and four. How have you seen him work in your life in this way? How have you been seeing the Holy Spirit of God leaning in on you? Question number four. Where does the Holy Spirit fit into your life? I believe this. I believe that average Christian is living life unaware that they have Almighty God and the Holy Spirit of God living inside of them. And we wonder why. Why do the churches of America, why are they dead? And why are they so dry? Why are they just dull? Could it be that we have forgotten that the Holy Spirit of God indwells us? Could it be as Pastor Kim was leading us in singing, could it be that we have forgotten that this God we're singing about lives inside of me? The Holy Spirit's a person. Turn back to John chapter 14 and, and I'll be done. Look at verse 18, John 14, 18. Look what it says. I will not leave you orphans. I will come again. Aren't you grateful that we're not left alone? that we had the person, the Holy Spirit of God, living inside of us. It's a person. Second word I want you to write down about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has a personality. 
The Holy Spirit has a, a personality. Three parts, essential parts of that personality, we know is knowledge. Turn a couple pages over, and I want you to see this. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Look at verse number 10. That the Holy Spirit of God, it searches the deep things of this world. It searches the things. The Holy Spirit of God knows the heart of God, so we know the heart of God through the Holy Spirit. Notice what it says, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. But God has revealed, but God's revealed them to us through His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of man except the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, and that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Can I tell you, how can we know the things of God and understand the things of God? Because the person of the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of us, and part of the person of the Holy Spirit of God of the personality is He knows the things of God, and because He knows the things of God, we can know the things of God. Second word about it. I put this, that did you know the Holy Spirit of God has feelings? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit. When we're not obedient to the Holy Spirit, we are grieving the Holy Spirit. It's just not that we have broken a rule or we're being, we are grieving the Holy Spirit. Third word and last. The Holy Spirit has a will. And guess what? Your spiritual giftedness is given to you through the Holy Spirit. Let me show it to you. Turn on over in the scripture, the first Corinthians chapter 12. Look at verse number 11. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 11. This person of the, the Holy Spirit of God with knowledge, with feelings that we don't grieve the Holy Spirit. That it's the Holy Spirit as He wills, He gives us the gifts. Look what it says in verse 11, 1 Corinthians 12, 11. But one and the same Spirit works all of these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills, that the Holy Spirit of God distributes to us the spiritual giftedness that God has for us, and we're all spiritually gifted uniquely. Why? But it's done according to the Holy Spirit of God. I've got some news first, Baptist. If you're a Christ follower, the Holy Spirit of God, God himself dwells within you. So here's the invitation. The moment we stand, I want you to bring that fear, and I want you to bring that fear that you're living with and say, God, I give you this fear because I want to live in the 
power of the person, the Holy Spirit of God. I want you to bring your doubt. Some of you are doubting. You're doubting, is God going to come through on this? Can I trust him in this? Can I have it? I want you to bring your doubt to God and say, God, I'm going to rely upon the Holy Spirit of God, the person of God who lives inside of me. I want you to bring your doubt. I want you to bring your fear. If some of you are living in insecurity, you're so insecure in life, I want you, the moment we stand in the invitation, I want you to bring your insecurity to Christ and say, God, I give you this insecurity because the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of me. The person of the Holy Spirit is in me. Here's the invitation. If you don't know Jesus... If you've not repented and trusted Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit of God doesn't live inside of you. If you haven't trusted Jesus, today is the day of salvation. The moment we stand, I would walk, move, get out of that pew and walk right down and say, you know what, to one of these pastors, I need Jesus. Maybe this morning you've been one of those ones that God wants you to come be a part of First Baptist. The moment we stand, you come in obedience to the Holy Spirit. May I ask you, is the Holy Spirit a he or an it? Oh, let's say it again. Is the Holy Spirit a he or an it? He. If you're a Christ follower, does the Holy Spirit indwell? Does he live within you, yes or no? Yes. So let's quit living a dry mostly dead spiritual life and live in life because God lives in us. Lord God, I I just thank you for this morning. And God, we pray that God, that we won't see you as the Holy Spirit just as a force that's out there, just as a, a, a magnet But God, may we see the Holy Spirit of God. It is a person of Almighty God. God, I pray in just a moment, we're going to bring our fear to you. Your perfect love cast out fear. Lord, I pray that they won't even let their fear of coming to the altar keep them from bringing their fear to the altar. God, I pray for the one that is in doubt, that's struggling. God, I pray that they'll bring that doubt to the altar this morning and say, God, you live inside of me through the person of the Holy Spirit of God. God, I trust you and not this doubt. Lord, across this room, I just ask for those ones that have never trusted Jesus Christ to be their Lord and their Savior. God, I pray that when we stand, that they'll come and accept Jesus today. God, I pray for the ones that you're bringing the First Baptist, that they'll come today. God, I pray that none of us will grieve the Holy Spirit, but I pray that we will be obedient immediately. Because delayed obedience is disobedience. God, I pray that we will be obedient to your spirit. In Christ's name, amen. Here's the invitation.
don't walk out of this room and 